Aloha, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Hawaii Shoots podcast called How Do You Shoot That? My name is Brad Watanabe, and I run a video production company here in Honolulu called B Rad Studio. We make a lot of fun videos uh, for a lot of fun clients, like my friend here, Jen. Um, yeah. My name is Jennifer and um, I work in marketing and I'm good friends with Brad and I'm very excited to learn more about everything that he does. It's a, it's a lot of fun making videos, a lot of fun connecting with people and video has allowed me to do kind of all of that stuff. Tell fun stories, uh, meet, new, meet new people, tell interesting things that I, don't know, I would have never learned on my own, right? Um, so tell me a little bit about you, Jen. What do you do? Why, why do you do it? So I'm in marketing and you know, it actually stemmed from being in fashion. When I was at UH, I studied fashion and I never thought in a million years I'd be doing what I'm doing now. So before I went to move to New York, do the runway thing and help promote all of that. And you know, there were some things that held me back. I stayed here and I'm really glad that I did. One of the things that really allowed me to do is kind of find myself more, you know, things that I'm really passionate about, such as helping others, which is why I love marketing. I love helping somebody get to what their goals are through maybe spreading the word or getting the right support. I've been doing that for a while now, over 10 years experience. I can't believe I can actually say that. <laughs> but one of the best things is, you know, I've really learned to hone my craft and I've seen it evolve. You know, before when I first started, it was very traditional marketing, traditional media, press releases, et cetera. Then 2008, Twitter, you know, that's when everything started to change up. Fast forward, you got your Facebook, you've got your Instagram, you've got your Snapchat, and now video. And that's a big question mark for me because I love watching it. I love consuming great videos, but I'm also interested in learning how to, how to make them. Everything from the storytelling to the equipment to just how do you do it? How do you do you? And, and that's one of the main reasons why we're doing this podcast in the first place is to help people shoot better video, uh, whether it's at a professional level, a personal level, just how to take your video and photo uh, love to kind of another level, uh, making daily incremental increases in, in our craft. Um, I've been doing this since I was a kid, so it's kind, of, it's kind of a natural thing for me. Well, you say that you started when you were a kid, so like, what do you mean? Like, were you, were you like six years old and you were like running around and be like, oh, camera, like how does that whole thing play out? Um, us the picture. <laughs> I didn't realize this until uh, somebody asked me in an interview recently. Um, high school student was doing a report on production here in Hawaii, and they asked me to tell them my story. And it was then that I realized that I've been doing this since I was probably, I don't know, maybe maybe six or seven ish. Uh, not with a camera necessarily, but honestly, my earliest recollection is. I had a tape recorder, an audio tape recorder, and I was, I saw some bugs on the ground and literally started making up a narrative of what was happening at the time. And <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, from, from a just pure storytelling function, that's, that's my earliest memory of just like telling stories. Um, from there, it kind of grew. My mom ended up getting a camera. I loved to play with like those little point and shoots growing up, yep. 35 millimeter film. and. As I got into high school, uh, it became a lot more uh, of a passion for myself. 
So I grew up going to Melani High School, took photo classes there, but some of my friends started doing like, doing music video style projects in their video media program in high school. Cool. Um, so it was back with a VHS-C camera, uh, with VHS players. Do you want to explain you know? what VHS, just in case, you know, the acronym isn't yeah. good with the younger listeners. <laughs> so the VHS was a tape. Um, this plastic cartridge with a spool of tape that was read in a player. Uh, this is pre-DVD, guys. Pre-DVD. Pre yeah, pre-optical things. <laughs> it was all on this tape that was read in a player. Uh, and video was somehow projected through that. And so we would, we would capture that and had two VCRs, one to have the, the player and one to have the recorder. So we'd hit play on one and record on the other. We'd hit record pause and then we'd pull out the tape put another one in hit play and then release the pause and that's how i would edit um, that is awesome spending hours and hours of my childhood or high schoolhood uh, in my bedroom recording these these videos um, skateboard videos surf videos of friends and honestly at at some point my love for like skating and surfing, transitioned from being a rider to the guy who was recording everybody. That is so cool. And that's when I realized I love this, you know? So. Well, from there, what'd you do? Did you go to school for this? Like, I mean, obviously you went to high school and you said you did this and then did you go to college or? I, I did go to college. Um, <clears throat> that's when I left Hawaii. So I, I took that passion, I got into a few schools. I got into UH. I got into University of Oregon, and I got into Loyola Marymount University um, for design and for filmmaking at LMU. So I got into their film program. One of I think they said one of thousand kids actually gets into the program. So I thought if if it's that I don't know prestigious, yeah. I I gotta go. Yeah. So I never wanted to leave Hawaii, uh, but thought to myself. The doors open. We should we should give it a shot. Yeah. Move out to LA. So I got into the film program, but my my passion was design. So at the, as, time. at the time, so I found out that they had a design program there and decided to to jump majors. Uh, but my love was animation. So I grew up infatuated with uh, Toy Story, and that really changed my the trajectory of my career path. Wanted to do 3D animation, so I studied graphic design, I minored in animation, and that being able to create designs and then now being able to animate them uh, was was my favorite combination of everything. And plus it's it's kind of still doing like video-ish stuff, but on film. Uh, so we got to learn storyboarding and and kind of the whole story methodology mm -hmm. through the animation side of things. And then the design principles, composition, color, light, and um, was really kind of able to marry all of those, the, those different crafts and put it towards what I do now. That's pretty amazing. Wow, so um, then, then from there, after you, know, you went to school, you're in California, what happens next on your adventure? Like, I mean, how did you end up here? And um, so during my senior year of college, uh, I was introduced to a guy named Matthew Cullen, 
Uh, Matt was also an LMU alumni and he came back for our senior seminar class, told us about what we called motion graphics and he's like, I hate that word, but this is the best uh, definition for what we do or what we did at the time. And it was making design, beautiful design integrated into uh, filmmaking and commercial production. Uh, I saw his reel and listened to what he was doing and I was like, that's where I'm going. Um, funny thing is I actually had an internship that I landed with Columbia Pictures and I was going to be working in like their film department helping make or design like the posters for some of the films that they were producing wow. and never called them back. <laughs> um, I, I, got the, I got the internship with Matt and obviously one is on the Sony lot, one is in a house on Abbot Kinney in Venice Beach and I chose that direction. Because what they were doing was so innovative and creative and fun and fresh, I was like, that sounds like it's my speed. So I got an internship, senior year, and when you're doing a design major and you're minoring animation, uh, most of your classes, like most people think of courses as three hour credits, mm -hmm. or three credit hours per mm -hmm. class. Um, with design, it's usually two three hour classes per week. Oh. So it's six hours per class. Wow. Same thing with animation. So most of your um, like intensive seminar design principal courses are six hours per week. So if you do two of those, you're actually working 12 hours just for two classes. So it was a really, really strenuous major and minor. So wow. to add on this internship was just a ton of work. Um, so I learned like a really, really strong work ethic just kind of going through schooling and doing this internship. And it was through the internship that I realized this career was something that I, I was completely infatuated with. Um, I mean, internships these days, I, I haven't seen anything like it here in Hawaii. Um, because as an intern, I was already working on like amazing commercial spots for like, not Toyota, like local dealerships, but like Toyota Global. Wow. And Nike, like, Japan and all of these things. So the, the um, opportunity that I had through Motion Theory was amazing. So Matt and Javier, the two owners of the company, took me on. Um, and it was just kind of an amazing experience. After that, I continued to work with them for another five and a half years in LA. Yeah. And man, I mean, the, the education I got in school was a great foundation, but I felt like the first maybe three months of my internship, I learned like more than I did in four years of college. That's so crazy. Um, because it's directly applicable to a career rather than just information that you Absolutely. memorize for a test, right? Yeah, a lot of times, you know, you learn the foundation or the theory and then you have to put that theory to, test, to the test. Yeah. That's amazing. And then so, <coughs> so you stayed in LA for five years and, mm -hmm. then, and then what? So, oh man, down memory lane. I mean, we, we had amazing opportunities. You look so happy right now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whenever I speak about my time at Motion Theory, it, it brings a lot of smiles and a lot of good vibes because, I mean, we got to work with amazing talent, uh, amazing creative. Um, I don't know if you remember, um, there was a Hewlett Packard commercial that a lot of people remember. It was like a torso shot of people doing like these kinds of motions and they were animating things on with their hands. Yes, I totally remember that. 
So we created that campaign. What? That's so crazy. Um, we were working on some amazing stuff for like Apple and the iPod back when it was like just getting started. Yeah. Um, we worked with like REM. Um, we got to work on some amazing projects. And that kind of opportunity just isn't here. So having that as my foundation, when I moved back here, it was such a huge shift for me creatively. Let me back it up real quick. So, yeah. so you're there and you're like, almost at your dream job, basically. So mm -hmm. what made you move back to Hawaii? Was it family? Was it just, I love Hawaii or? So, I mean, growing up in Hawaii, in a Japanese family where everybody's close, you know, there, there's something about that that you can't replace with a career. Um, and I know it's a struggle that a lot of people have. Like, I, I'm either choosing my career or I'm choosing my family. It's hard to do one or the other if you're really passionate about something that doesn't exist where you grew up. And that was a reality that I had to face. And, and I knew it stepping into this field. I mean, there's no other Hollywood in the world. Uh, there's no other New York City. And so if the career that you choose lives and breathes there, um, it's hard. I mean, I have an uncle who, who moved away and he's in genetics. That field just isn't here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we all love what he does. His family up there is amazing, but he just, he can't move back to Hawaii mm -hmm. um, and expect to have the same kind of career as he has there. But for me, the reason I decided to move home when I did was kind of twofold. One was a personal reason. Uh, just in my, in my soul, I started to realize that I started to define myself more with my career than myself, you know. Um, I, I introduced myself, my name is Brad and I work in motion theory. So I realized that I was defining my identity in what I did rather than who I was. Mm -hmm. and, and I started to see that slowly shift and, and didn't like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, loved, I loved what I did and do. Uh, and I noticed that my parents both loved their jobs, they worked really hard and I was working you know, at, at the peak times, like 80 hours a week. And it was it was a struggle, but that's the industry that we live You're in. You're also your in your 20s. Love. Yeah, <laughs> in my 20s. Um, not making a ton of money, but just making a ton of great memories and a ton of great work. Um, and, and I loved it. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. But I realized at that point that my, my family was also getting older. And so I wanted to move back home before my family was incapable of doing the things that we grew up doing. Whether it's going out fishing or bowling or, or whatever, you know. So my, the thing that I tell friends is, I wanted to go fishing with grandpa before he couldn't go fishing anymore, you know? Um, and so, I don't know, it was, it's, it still is just that, that part of the personal journey that yeah. I had to take. And don't, don't regret it one bit, you That's know? That's so awesome, I love that. So then you move back, mm -hmm. spend time with family, did you just start your company right away? No. So when I moved when I moved back, it was still around the time that HD was becoming uh, mainstream. Okay. So back before there was high definition TV, there was standard definition TV, uh, which was about half the resolution of what HD is, and uh, we were just getting to that point where digital capture was catching up to film. So everything that we did in LA was all shot on 35 millimeter film. We, I think we did one job or two jobs the entire time I was there that was shot on digital. Wow. 
Everything else was shot on film. And, and so it was, it was about that time when the technology was starting to catch up, where it was getting pretty good. But up until that point, um, it was a multi-million dollar industry just to get in, right? Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> when I moved back, it was, it was those personal reasons that brought me back. And it was also uh, kind of a conscious decision knowing that I might never get back into that industry because that didn't exist here um, to the extent that it does today. Mm -hmm. So I knew I was giving that up. And so rather than pursue filmmaking here, um, I jumped into an ad agency, which is maybe a little counterintuitive because I, was, I wasn't even doing creative stuff. Even though I had a foundation in design, animation, all of that stuff, I actually got a job doing IT for the largest marketing company in the state. You were doing IT after all that fun stuff you were just telling me? Yeah. So when you work in a small digital shop, uh, part of everyone's role is technology. And I started to shoulder that burden for motion theory. So I got, like, we got to build the file systems, the um, FTP system, email servers, render farms, and I managed all the edits, edit suites, and I managed all of the After Effects design stations and all of that. So the technology also became a part of my passion. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and as, as an editor, you learn technology really well. And that was kind of the role that I played at Motion Theory was learning storyline. Uh, I would ingest everything that came in and output everything that went out to the stations. Uh, so quickly you learn to appreciate and love the technology side of things. So when I came back, Anthology was looking for a Mac um, IT person. Now there's not many IT people who know Macs um, at a server level. There's a lot of people who understand it from the desktop level and can troubleshoot problems. But when it comes to like email servers and FTP mm -hmm, servers and all yep. that stuff, there just aren't very many IT credentialed people mm -hmm. who can do it. And so even though it wasn't a certified IT technician, I don't, I don't think they really had very many back in the day uh, for Mac um, IT professionals. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got in on, on my, my savvy with Mac computers. And it was actually probably one of the best, um, I'd, probably one of the best decisions I could have made at that point. Uh, so, passing up on the dream of making feature films and all of these, these fun things, uh, I, I, I kind of really dug into creative problem solving. And at the end of the day, even with filmmaking, with commercial producing, with photography, you're, you're solving a problem either for yourself or that a client has. And so understanding how to troubleshoot technology is also just another way to, to solve problems for people. Did you still make films on the side, like, you know, after work, or, you know, did you do, like, a mini reality show? This is how I really feel. Nah. <laughs> um, not really. Uh, I, I still had some contacts, obviously, in, in California. So I did a, I edited a music video uh, while I was here. And then eventually the ad agency, because they had some projects that either came in under a budget where they wanted to produce it themselves, uh, they started to bring me on to either freelance edit or do some animation. Um, and started taking on little little side projects here and there, but never really fully diving in uh, to the production scene because I just didn't see how I could. Um, may maybe I was just too, um, I don't know, high maka maka or whatever, but I just didn't really want to engage with 
that kind of production that was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't really have the contacts. I didn't really have many relationships to kind of dig in, like mm -hmm. to get into those right. circles. Right, right, right. Um, and it really is a relationship game here in Hawaii. If, if you don't have those relationships, it's hard to step into this, this industry. So when you were working in IT, but you still had that love, I mean, what, what made you realize, or what was the turning point? Something must have critical happened. I mean, you know, you, you get your weekends to go spend time with family, you've got, you know, the job that pays the bills, you got your insurance, 401k, all very important things. But then what made you be like, I'm gonna start my own thing? What, what was that all about? I mean, um, did you tell anybody about this? Was this like your own little secret that you were like, I wanna do this? Or did you tell people, or? It's funny, when, when I was introduced at the very first anthology meeting where, it, I mean, because it's a pretty big company. Yeah. So when they introduced me, they actually introduced me as somebody who did design and did video. Interesting. But I was like the IT guy. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting that some of the designers, I, I remember one in specific came up and talked to me after and she was like, so what, are you going to like come and steal all our jobs? <laughs> no, I do IT. Like, I'm happy to be in this role and support the company in this way. And I, I really feel like that's something that is, is getting lost um, today, is that we all have jobs um, to do, even, even within the production industry. There's so many different tasks at hand. And to appreciate the one role that you have at that given time is, is really, really important. And to like fully invest in it and embrace it, rather than run away for it or from it because you want to do something else. Um, and so for that time, my job was to be an IT guy. I was the best IT guy I could possibly be. Um, read up on it, studied, did whatever I could to make sure that I could solve the problems that were in front of me. I agree that everything happens for a reason and you gotta like make the most of the situation you're in. I totally agree with that, 100%. And I think because of your passion and commitment, there are people that still tell me about how great you were in the role that you were in. I work with somebody that I believe used to help and she tells me, you know, I love Brad. He would tell me things like, hey, don't do that update yet. I'm still doing research or, you know, hang on tight. Let me just do a little, you know, more tweaks. I'll make sure your computer's great and ready to go. And, you know, just hearing stories like that, like that's just so awesome that you really just, it's not just about getting the job done, but really putting that extra effort. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I think no matter what we do, we gotta do it with our uh, entire intention. Absolutely. So you're being the best you were at that time. And this is like, what, a couple years down the line? Like, you know, you moved back several years, two years, one year? Moved back in December 2006. Wow. Um, I feel like that was just yesterday, but it really wasn't. Yeah. It's been <laughs> almost 11 years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So um, my wife was studying, my, my girlfriend back then, she was studying in Beijing and I was in LA. So when we moved back during that winter, that was like the first time we were seeing each other for a little while. Um, and, and that was when we decided we were gonna stay in Hawaii. You know? So there was also that transition period of um, just kind of getting reacquainted to Hawaii and, and with family and even some of the responsibilities and all of that stuff going on. Mm -hmm. uh, so as, as some of those things came up, um, that was also about the time where my wife and I got engaged. Aww. Yeah, so a lot of things going on at that time. So it was a, maybe two or three years into um, my time at Anthology where I started to think that this could actually be something more. 
Um, it was about the time when DSLRs started having video capabilities. And as, as the technology grew, as image quality got better, and as software and hardware became increasingly more affordable, I thought this was something that Hawaii could now support. I mean, there, there were, and still are, no places to develop film in Hawaii. Uh, there's, there's really no place for that kind of industry here. But at the same time, that industry was sort of like starting to phase out. I mean, you don't see much shot on 35 in LA. It's actually kind of more of a niche thing. Even at the, at the highest levels, a lot of people are producing content on digital cameras. And so with, with a lot of that transition, technology is getting better, output's getting easier. Um, I mean, even starting to deliver stuff to stations uh, as digital files rather than on tapes mm -hmm. or on DVDs or whatever. It's like, yeah, this, this, is, this is really, really interesting. And slowly, you know, f like you said, Facebook, Twitter, IG, all of these things started popping up. The distribution opportunities now were no longer the barrier to entry. Because yeah. in order for you to have your content displayed for people to see, mm -hmm. it had to go through a TV channel. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, and with that out of the way, people could really start creating content to their heart's content and sharing it with the entire world. And that's when everything started to click. Mm -hmm. So as, as my, my wife and I were getting along in our relationship, uh, she decided to pursue nursing. So she had a little bit of a shift. And so she went to nursing school, and so I supported her through that. And then being, being the very responsible woman that she is, she wanted to make sure that we were taken care of before I decided to go on this venture. So I, I agreed to that. Um, so you took care of her to get her degree, and then you're like, now it's my turn. <laughs> we, we waited for a little while till after she got her first job. Okay, that's fair. And then, she wasn't super happy there, so I wanted to make sure that she was at a place where she was comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, last thing you want is is that to cause more friction mm -hmm. within the relationship, right? And that's number one. So I waited till she got her second job, where she was comfortable, and she gave me the green light. All right, you guys, know. take note. That's a that's a big pro tip right there. <laughs> Have your other half be happy so she can support you to do your yeah. love. And and whenever. Whenever you're both on board, mm -hmm. there, there isn't that constant tension um, because it's easy for one person to start to despise what you do because it starts to take away from them or from you know, financially from the relationship mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's a two-person endeavor. Whether or not they're involved in the business at all, they're your biggest support system and uh, they're there to comfort you when things are going well or not so well. So having your other half, your significant other on your team supporting you at 110% is uh, absolutely necessary when you're starting your own thing. Good to know, good to know. So she's in a happy place, she's in a good place, both are responsible. Then what happened? So you were just like, did you already have this kind of brewing in the back of your head for a while or was this something where like, you know? Yeah. So I'm working at Anthology full time, um, and then I'm working on 
at that time, I, I called it Kokua Creative because I was also doing IT on the side mm. for other people. And I was doing, doing production and editing and whatever on the side for people. So, you know, Kokua means help. And so the whole idea with that name was just creative help, wherever you need, and creative solutions. And so I did that as a DBA uh, for a little while and started to transition over to the BRAD moniker as the production side started to pick up. And when I realized more of my brain was being consumed by the projects that I was working on than my work at Anthology, I realized, you know, it's not fair mm -hmm. to them. And I was still doing my work, I was still making sure everything was taken care of, but at the same time, I realized where my heart was. Mm -hmm. uh, so I pushed back to being part-time there, um, and eventually said, I, I think I need to try this. Mm -hmm. And it was when my the the production work was starting to overtake, even financially, the um, work in anthology. So then I was like, you know what? It, in order for this to grow, and for me to not burn out, to give it its it, its real chance, I, I've I've got to try this now. Wow, that's a really big you know risk and a really big you know leap. Even though, I mean, everybody wants to have their own business, right? That's always the dream, right? I want my own business, but I think that's really good that you took time to think it through and really, you know, made it work so that it's sustainable. It's mm -hmm. not just something you're just, like, on a whim. Yeah. And I made sure that I had some decent um, contacts as well before mm -hmm. I left. So just a pro tip, um, working at an agency first, even though it wasn't the intention, became the most amazing opportunity because now this 100 plus person agency who, where I had worked for over six years had seen people come and go to other creative endeavors were now all potential clients, right? So that's 200 plus people that, that I've known and have known me as a problem solver yep. psychologically yep. Um, who now I can, I can reach out to or vice versa. So it was actually one of my former coworkers from Anthology who now worked for Hawaiian Airlines, who, when I left, because I, you know, I don't want to cross those boundaries, um, said, now that you're on your own, we can talk. Mm -hmm. and, and that's actually how one of my biggest clients' uh, relationships actually was formed through that. That is so amazing. I, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, very, very cool. So let me just ask for clarification. Is it B-Rad Studio, B-Rad Studios, B-Rad Productions? What, what, is, what, what is your company name, yeah. just for the record? Sure. Um, <laughs> so people have been calling me B-Rad since high school. Um, and so I thought about that name ever since I was in college and tried to get the, the Earl B-Rad.com since I don't date myself, but since like 1997 or eight, I've been, I've been hunting for that. Um, and that wasn't available. And it still isn't available, even though I reached out to the guy, hopefully GoDaddy, hook me up. <laughs> um, and so I, I realized that as an individual, you have certain limitations when it comes to brand growth. And as I, I always knew that I wanted this company to be bigger than just myself. Um, both from a, a, a size um, and, and an expectation uh, from clients, what they, what they can um, expect of, of what I 
deliver. And so when it comes to the name, like B-Rad Studio, Studio Singular, because a lot of people call it studios for whatever reason. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it, it, it kind of uh, gives it a, a larger feel. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've gotten tons of calls from clients about like what, what we offer, where our studio is, and all of these other things. But it's very strategic in the sense that it's, it's very video centric um, and it's also very personal mm -hmm. so it'll always have this connection that it's B-Rad Studio. It also has this um, hint at you know for everyone to be rad uh, and that's kind of the subliminal message that we want to do things differently, we want to do things fantastically um, and we want to want to be different. Absolutely. I think you guys are definitely accomplishing that. I mean, you guys do so many great things. And, you know, I know for us, like, we met through my workplace. But I feel like, you know, we've really transitioned in our friendship or our working relationship to also a friendship. And I love learning and hearing about all these stories that you have. Um, what about for the young people that are listening? Or, you know, people who have graduated, too. So not to say you're not young. But, you know, for our listeners out there that are just getting started and, you know, whether they just graduated or they're professional and wanting to get into videography, do you have, like, any, like, top three tips that you give them? Okay. So here's, here's another tip. Okay. For not just the user but also for the potential client. Um, for whatever reason, the V word is almost like a swear word. Uh, when it comes to people within the industry. Um, whenever, whenever people think of the word videography or videographer, mm -hmm. it almost connotes something of a lower quality than mm -hmm. a film mm -hmm. okay. uh, or a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. So there's this like difference in how people want to be classified. Like I don't want to be classified with video because right. video is like, that's, that's the stuff like your, your film went straight to video. It ah. has like this different um, quality of, of content to it. And so people don't actually like being called videographers. Hmm, I didn't know that. And, and the, the funny thing is nobody's shooting, or not nobody, a very small percentage of people are actually shooting on film anymore. Even though they want to be called a filmmaker, mm -hmm. most of them have never touched film in their yes, life. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and that's how I, you know, cut my chops through college is actually cutting and splicing physical acetate film uh, for animation projects. But... <clears throat> people actually don't like the V word. And I know that a lot of people outside the industry don't really know that. But yeah. it's, uh, it's definitely one of those things that, for whatever reason, a lot of people don't like. Well, it's interesting because I was Googling when I was trying to start yeah. like in this whole industry. I was like, oh, I want to learn how to do videography. The first thing that comes up is like wedding and bridal. And exactly. I'm like, I don't want, I was like, that's not what I want to do. I mean, like weddings are great, you know, but I was like, that's not what I want. I want to you yep. know, tell different stories about the cool things that I do or even my company. Mm -hmm. and so you, you'll notice even within the branding of wedding companies, mm -hmm. they'll say we make uh, wedding films mm -hmm. rather than wedding videos. Mm. Something about the homemade nature of a video yeah. um, lessens, I think, just quality or just intrinsically. That's yeah. how people feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I never I, thought about that. Yeah. My mind's a little blown right now. <laughs> um, but for people just getting started, it's, it's, I think, probably a better time than any other than we've ever experienced, both from a digital perspective and from a filmmaking perspective, because there are so many tools that allow us to get ridiculously great quality um, 
footage, video, photo, film, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And, and I think it's, it's no longer the barriers of quality um, of video content. It's, it's now up to storytellers and who can make the best stories come to life. Um, back in the day, people were shooting really low quality films on DV cameras and getting into film festivals because the story was good. Mm. You'll notice that uh, you can actually listen to a podcast for hours, but you can't watch silent video that's terrible for, for even a few minutes. This is true, yes. Uh, because story uh, drives us. Story uh, retains our attention. Um, it's, it's not pretty pictures that will sustain us for a very long period of time. Now we do have like beautiful things that we shoot and, and those are very, very popular on, on Instagram. You know, the, the visual stimulus is still very, very important, but it's, it's the quality and um, the depth of your storytelling that will, that, that makes your stuff unique. So if I'm hearing you correctly, do not go out and buy the red. Do not go and buy like all the most expensive gear because no matter what, it's going down to the story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Apple is actually doing a really great job at building new campaigns that highlight iPhone photography and filmmaking these days. They actually gave, um, uh, not, not that they had to give him, but Michel Gondry, a really well-known director, um, he does amazing music videos and tells great stories. But he recently shot a film uh, completely on the iPhone. And it's, it's the narrative that he's telling that makes it such a compelling film, even without any dialogue. Um, it's, it's through the, the other sounds, the atmospheric sounds, the music track, and all of that, and, and the pictures that, that tell this really subtle and, and amazing story with an iPhone. And I mean, it, it wouldn't have mattered if he shot it on a red or on the iPhone. It wouldn't have mattered if he was cutting on an Avid and, and you know, coloring on the best Da Vinci suite out there. It's, it's the narrative that makes Michel Gondry's work his own. And, and I feel like that's, that's been a trend lately is people want to glorify these beautiful things that everybody else is doing. Uh, so there's like this glorification of like sameness mm -hmm. when I think the real beauty is in uniqueness. You know, it's not, it's not what makes all of your images or all your, your videos look like anybody else's. It what, it's what makes your story unique that makes it special. I definitely agree. And from a marketing standpoint, I think I'd like to add that it's kind of like when you saw the double rainbow guy or the guy that's like trying to give a professional BBC talk and his little kid is running through the door. Like, I feel like having that uniqueness and having that, that story, you know, all parents can relate to being like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed that I'm trying to do work and my child's walking through and my boss sees him. Or mm. like the double rainbow guy being so excited to seeing two rainbows. Like, I think that that's how things quote unquote go viral. You know, mm -hmm. like I have a lot of times like, you know, I had bosses or even other people would ask for my advice, be like, how do you make this go viral? And I'm like, you don't make things go viral. You, you tell a good story, you're passionate about whatever it is, and if it happens, it happens. It's a very emotional-based thing and not, and not a construct, I think, you know? Yeah. And, and then you have the serendipity of it all, like the Chewbacca lady. Yes, oh right? yes. Just ca <laughs> capturing moments in life that people want to see, 
or would have loved to experience uh, in real time, but just never could have. And, and the iPhone makes that available for everybody. Yep. Yep. So that's, that, that's that's one of my tips. I actually work with a bunch of like, in, I mean, in Hawaii, you work with a lot of travel and tourism clients, and so like with with some of the hotels and stuff in Waikiki, they're all they're all in the same beach, all you know, 100 feet from each other, and 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 they'll actually take photos and video of almost the same things. Um, the landscape, the beautiful Hawaii, and, and all of that is not unique to any brand. So what I try to communicate to them is it's, it's about what makes your property different than anybody else's that will make your content more valuable and stand out even more. Because that belongs to you. Yep. Um, Diamond Head does not. Mm -hmm. You know, the ocean does not. So even, even the best images still are of somebody else mm -hmm. or something else. So. Focus on what makes you, you. All right, so I've asked a ton of questions today and I think that, you know, you guys out there listening will probably have some questions or maybe comments or even ideas of topics that we can talk about and we want to hear from you. Yes. Please feel free to shoot us an email, questions at hawaiishoots.com um, or hit us up on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on IG, we're on Twitter. Um, and, you know, personally, I'm at Brad Watanabe. And I'm Jay Lu. So make sure you connect with us on the social medias, and we'd love to connect with you soon. Uh, leave a comment, drop us a like, and if you really enjoyed the stuff, you can always hit that subscribe button. That'll be the cherry. Uh, but until next week, we have an awesome one, and we'll see you next time. Aloha. Aloha.